following audio is from St Nick's Durham. As a church, we exist to love God, love people and love Durham. We hope that this sermon will serve you well as a supplement to your regular Bible reading, prayer and participation in your local church. For more information about St Nick's Durham, directions or resources, please visit stnicks.org.uk. Our Old Testament reading comes from Psalm 145. I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and exalt your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people exalt you. They tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might so that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all he does. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cries and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. Our New Testament reading comes from Acts chapter 4, verses 23 to 31. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in, pray, in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father, David. Why do the nations rage? and the peoples brought in vain. The kings of the earth rise up 
and the rulers bent together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hello, my name is David Lucas and I worship here at St. Nick's Durham. Would you please pray with me? Our Father in heaven, we praise your name. We thank you for your faithfulness, your greatness no one can fathom. May we tell of your mighty acts and meditate on your wonderful works. May we worship you in spirit and in truth. Amen. So this evening, we're continuing on in our series, Teach Us How to Pray. And we're following the book by Pete Gregg, How to Pray, A Simple Guide for Normal People. And if you were to go to our website, you'd find Pete's course, his prayer course, under our resources section. So do take a peek at that. Tonight's topic is adoration, rejoicing in prayer. And I have to say that it's actually been a wonderful pleasure uh, to be able to prepare this sermon for this evening. I've gone around all week singing and praising God, uh, singing very poorly, I might add. Uh, but thankfully, it really annoyed my kids, so that was a bonus. There are two main things that we're going to be doing this evening. The first thing that we're going to do is look at what we mean by adoration and why we do it. And the second thing is we're going to ask, answer the question, how can I adore God in these strange times? So as is always good practice, let's begin with our scripture reading that Tari just read for us. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. So we're dropped right into the middle of a story that's ongoing, actually started in the previous chapter, chapter 3. So what's going on? In Acts chapter 3, Peter and Paul were on their way to the temple grounds when they performed a miracle. You remember this? Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And the man that was there begging, the man that was crippled, he gets up and running and jumping, he sings praises to God. And then the crowds gather. And while Peter and John are preaching and teaching and proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus Christ, they get arrested by the temple guard. Then move forward to the end of, or beginning of chapter 4. And Peter and John are brought before the religious leaders who are gathered there in Jerusalem at the time. And these leaders, they continue to be frustrated with this preaching about Jesus. Peter and John just keep on disrupting the status quo. And the leaders there, they ask the two of them, by what power or authority or name do you do this miracle? And the answer they give is quite bold, actually. 
We do this in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, whom you crucified, who God raised from the dead. He is the stone the builders rejected, that you rejected. But he has become the cornerstone. There is salvation under his name and his name alone. And the religious leaders, they look at one another and they ask themselves, look, what can we do? These guys performed a miracle, a sign that everyone else can see. We can't deny it. There's the proof right there in front of us. But we have to stop this talk. We have to end it now. So they released the apostles with orders for them to stop talking about Jesus. But to which Peter replies, Which is right in the eyes of God, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help but speak about what we have seen and heard. And that's when they go back to their friends, back to the church, and they tell them everything. And together as one, they raise their voices in praise to God. When I was a young man, I had just become a Christian. I ended up at Cape and Ray Bible School in Costa Rica because I wanted to know more about Jesus. And after the first term ended, my dad came down to visit me, that we might go sightseeing together. And after about a week, we were in a little village high up in the mountains, and we sat down at a restaurant for pizza. And while we were waiting for the food, we got to talking, and he was asking some really good questions, some really deep questions. And I thought, finally, it's been a week. Now is the chance. Now I could share the gospel with him and tell him all about Jesus. And I was bold. I preached the gospel. I answered his questions. And when the pizza came, I just kept on and going. I said my bit, sat back having, fe having felt pretty good about what I said and about the pizza sitting happily in my stomach. And my dad, he just looked at me with this wonderful look in his eyes. And then he said, you didn't pray. And then he sat back and crossed his arms. And my first reaction was to defend myself. Ah, he doesn't understand. We don't need to pray before meals. That's just a tradition. There's nothing we can do to earn our salvation. Justification by faith alone. But the next moment, it just hit me. He was right. I didn't pray. And that somehow, even in the very midst of sharing the gospel, I had forgotten about God himself. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Pete Gregg says that the, everything that comes after this, or everything that comes after, is preempted by these first eight words. It begins with adoration, hallowed be your name. This prayer our Savior taught us, as an example of how we ought to pray, holds together right adoration of God and concerns for people. It swings between the unseen and the seen. Both of these are necessary for a healthy Christian prayer life. This is an example that Jesus gave us, or this is the example that Jesus gave us, not an unhealthy divorcing of the eternal from temporal concerns but a movement from one to the other.
It isn't an either-or situation. Adoration is the right attitude towards God, a humbling, awestruck relation upon which everything else depends. And here is the point. The second will only be done well when the first has its central place. Adoration must be at the very center of our prayer life. The old adage, know thyself, cannot be done apart from a recognition of our relation to God. He as creator, ourselves as his creatures. We are created beings. We come from God, belong for God, and are destined for God. We begin with adoration because this is the proper function of creation. Hallowed be thy name. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Evelyn Underhill, possibly my favorite Christian author, says, This is what creation is for. And the very object of man's transformation is that he may become part of this inner life of the universe, which consists in the praise, the glory, and the manifestation of God. St. John of the Cross says, That creation babbles to us like a child which cannot articulate what it wants to say. For it is struggling to utter the one word, the name, the character of God. Always love children's stories. And in a way, reflecting this truth, the great Canadian philosopher and mystic Anne Shirley, that's Anne with an E, once said, when explaining to Marilla why she wasn't listening to her Sunday school teacher. But he wasn't talking to me, protested Anne. He was talking to God and he didn't seem to be very much interested in it either. I think he thought God was too far off to make it worthwhile. I said a little prayer myself, though. There was a long row of white birches hanging over the lake, and the sunshine fell down through them, way, way down, deep into the water. Oh, Marilla, it was like a beautiful dream. It gave me a thrill, and I just said, Thank you for it, God, two or three times. Not out loud, I hope, said Marilla anxiously. So we see that it ought to be done, that this is how we've been instructed and that this is what we have been created for. But the question left to us then is, how do we do it? How do we sing praises to God in this strange new land we found ourselves in? How can we praise and adore God when our eyes hurt and we're sick and tired of Zoom or online church for that matter. How can we praise God when you miss your friends and family? How can we praise God when our loved one has just died all alone in the hospital? How can we sing his praises at any time for that matter? When we're lonely or anxious or angry? When we're broken at the end of our rope or walking through the valley of the shadow of death how can I praise God if I'm ashamed of something that I've done, or I don't even know if I believe in him anymore? When I was 12 years old, one Saturday to get out of doing the dishes, I told my mom I wanted to go outside to help my dad in the garden. Now, I don't know if this was premeditated or my parents just took the opportunity that presented itself, but what happened next was something I ended up regretting for years to come. 
My mom said, yeah, you can go help your dad outside. Now, I'm a father myself, and I understand the genius behind what my parents did. And perhaps when the time comes, I'll do the same thing with my own kids. But I marched outside right up to my dad, and I proudly announced that mom had told me to come and help him. So he showed me how to start the lawnmower, how to push it around, how to go up hills. And it was amazing. I was with my dad and I was helping. And then he went inside and I was stuck cutting the grass for years to come. What's my point? Other than that I really hate cutting grass, only this. This is not the way that it is with our Father in Heaven. God does not leave us alone in the task before us. We are not abandoned. By his Holy Spirit, God accompanies us. He enables us in the first place to worship him. So my first point is this. We are not alone. God enables us to pray. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Take courage then to celebrate even in the midst of uncertainty. The Comforter is with us. May we allow him to lead us, to take us by the hand and instruct our souls in how to praise him. And he will lead us by well-trodden paths. Many have gone before us and are on these paths with us. Pete's book has a number of really practical suggestions on ways that we can praise him. May we join our voices with the church and all the saints to sing hymns and songs of praise to him. Perhaps God will lead us to pray the Psalms, the very same prayer book that Jesus used and loved. Liturgy, perhaps, as Pete says, it gives our prayers a certain architecture, a consistent framework, even when you don't want to pray or know how to pray or can't find the words to express your heart. And the list of suggestions goes on. Regardless, it becomes an act of will on our part, something that we do and practice, and not always when we feel like it. Second point, remember who God is, who he has revealed himself to be. Praising God is not a denial of our sorrow. Praising God amidst adversity isn't just some practice in the power of positive thinking. It's about being a realist. It is orienting ourselves to the truth that at the foundation of reality is love himself. That underneath all of the nonsense is the Holy One who cannot be shaken. Pete Gregg says, after more than 25 years in pastoral ministry, 20 of them teaching on prayer, I have come to the conclusion that most people's biggest problem with prayer is God. They envisage him scowling, perpetually disapproving, invariably disappointed and needing to be placated or persuaded in prayer. This is not the God as revealed by Jesus Christ. Where is the extravagant kindness? Where is the faithfulness? Where is the mercy, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God? God sees you, he knows you, and cares for you. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, 
slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. So here, may I repeat the words of St. Paul in his letter to the Romans. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So remember who God is, who he has revealed himself to be. And finally, remember what God has already done. In the Old Testament, in the book of Joshua chapter 4, when the whole nation of Israel crossed the Jordan River into the Promised Land, the twelve tribes were to take twelve stones from the riverbed to make a marker or some sort of monument to serve as a sign for them and for their children of God's faithfulness. Recount the stories of God's faithfulness in your own, in your own family, in your own life. Look for the markers built from disaster, from the little stones taken from the riverbeds that God got you through. And I'm sure you've heard it before, but I'll say it again. Write a prayer journal. That way you can look back on your prayers, and look back and see how God has answered those prayers one way or another. And again, you can go to our website, you can take a peek in our resources section and you'll find helps for uh, prayer journals there. That food that came from a friend when you had no idea how you were gonna feed your family. When you were struggling and exactly the right moment, money came in. That small mercy a stranger gave you when you were least expecting it. A time when God's hand, his comfort, his work was seen in your life. This is part of the community function of adoration, that we remind each other of what God has done in one another's lives and in the life of the church and in the world. Jesus Christ is the stone the builders rejected. He has become the cornerstone. He died and was buried for our sins. He died that we might be reconciled with him, with ourselves, with one another, and with the world he's placed us in. By his wounds we have been healed. The authorities killed him, but God raised him, and in him we have eternal life. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. So let us pray together. The Lord is righteous and in all his ways and, and is, is righteous in all his ways and loving towards all he has made. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. Blessed are you, sovereign Lord. You made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Help us who now can only babble your name, come to know it and speak it clearly. By your Holy Spirit, speak through your servants. And by your Holy Spirit, complete the good work you have begun in us. Blessed is your name in the heavens and on earth. Let every creature praise your holy name forever and ever. Amen.
Thank you for listening to the St Nick's Durham podcast. If you would like to hear more sermons and teaching like this, then subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about St Nick's, visit our website at stnicks.org.uk.